The battle at the border intensifies. The Supreme Court says the federal government can take down razor wire. Texas is still putting razor wire up. And now there are calls for the Biden administration to mobilize and federalize the National Guard. The constitutional battle increases. Governor Gavin Newsom was in South Carolina this week, stumping for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. But everyone has their eyes on him for 2028. And the mayor of Chicago calls for a ceasefire, but not in the place he should. Today on the Palmetto Family Matters Show. A lot to get to on the program today. Glad you're with us on Facebook, YouTube, on the app, on the website, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Go ahead and click that subscribe or follow button. Go ahead and give us a five-star rating and review. Share it with your friends and family. We're glad you're joining us on the Palmetto Family Matters show today, flying solo on a Friday. It is Friday, January 26th in the year of our Lord, 2024. Ding. I'll fill that one in for Mitch Prosser. Today's program, of course, is brought to you by I Believe SC. I Believe SC is a mission-oriented project funded by Christians from all denominations across the state of South Carolina to be able to allow you to have a license plate that spreads the gospel. IBelievesc.net. You can go there today, get your license plate. Low numbers, still available. I don't think the number one or two are available, but low numbers are still available, so get yours today. Share the gospel when you're sitting in traffic this weekend, I believe sc.net. We start at the border because that's where all of this begins. Obviously, this issue is, is exploding as it stands right now. In the fiscal year 2023, 2.47 million people were encountered at the southern border. That is... Uh, A little more than last year, we saw 2.37 million encounters. In the month of September alone, we saw 269,000, nearly 270,000 encounters. We know that in December, that number crept up to 300,000. So these numbers are a little dated. But we know that from September 22 to September 23, the numbers increased by 155%. We all understand that we have a problem at the southern border with people trying to get into the country illegally. And I don't believe that anyone really has a problem with immigration. In fact, as Christians, and a Christian worldview and a biblical understanding of this worldview, says that immigration is a good thing. Immigration is a good thing. The problem is when you have a wide-open southern border, and for that matter, I can give you numbers on the northern border if you want, a wide-open southern border that allows people to come in whenever and however they darn well please. What we now have is the governor of Texas, almost said president of Texas, and that would have fit, governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, and the Texas National Guard believe and are acting upon the belief that Joe Biden has abdicated his role in protecting and defending the border. So, the government of Texas decided to put razor wire up. Now, whether or not you like the idea of the razor wire is immaterial to the discussion. The discussion is, does Texas have the right to defend itself from what they're characterizing as an invasion? 
Now, many will say it's not an invasion. It's people seeking asylum. I will bat back to you that maybe on January 6th, it wasn't an insurrection then. I mean, we can have the conversation about terms and definitions of terms and what they mean. I think it's fruitful to do that. Here's Governor Greg Abbott on uh, America's Newsroom with uh, Dana Perino and my guy over at Fox News, Bill Hemmer, one of the few that I enjoy watching on Fox News. Uh, here's Governor Greg Abbott. He's in India, by the way, um, on a state trip. So here's Governor Greg Abbott explaining why Texas is defying the federal government and the Supreme Court decision that we'll get to in just a second. What Texas is doing is just very simple, and, and, and that is because the Biden administration has really, truly abdicated its responsibility to secure the border and enforce the laws, Texas very simply is securing the border. And so we put up the razor wire that you were talking about, Bill, and we put up all these barricades that actually have denied illegal entry. Uh, and as you pointed out also in that screen, that there are criminals coming across our border. Texas has a right as a state to stop criminals from coming into our state, to make arrests of those criminals. Uh, and we have National Guard as well as Texas Department of Public Safety officers who are there to make those arrests and to deny illegal entry. Mm -hmm. And Joe Biden actually does have an option here. Joe Biden's option is to enforce the laws of the United States and stop this illegal entry. So here's the rub. Texas puts up the razor wire. He sued. Here's the amazing thing. And, and, and here's where you lose me. There's been an ongoing conversation about what's going on at the border and how there's more need for border security. The current administration claims they want that. The current administration claims that they've offered that from day one. Day one was mass amnesty, basically a retooling of the DACA experiment that President Obama pushed through with his executive order, and it was upheld by the Supreme Court. But then when Donald Trump had tried to override it and nullify it, they said he couldn't do it because nullifying that would overstep his bounds as an executive. We need to work on our court system. So... Texas puts up the razor wire. The Biden administration sues them. Sues them to not do this because it's not constitutional for them to do it as a state. As power lies with the federal government. And the recent Supreme Court decision was not a final decision. It was a vote. It was a decision, mind you, to not grant injunctory relief. It was it was a decision, and again, I disagree with the decision. I think I think both uh, Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Amy Coney Barrett erred in their opinion and erred in their decision to side with the liberal justices on the court. It was a five four decision. The five four decision states that while we decide the case, the federal government can remove the razor wire. The Decision does not say that Texas cannot put up the razor wire. So while Customs and Border Patrol agents and whomever else the Biden administration sends takes down the razor wire, Texas National Guard can wait right over here in the corner, and then as soon as the federal government leaves, they can go put it up again, just back and forth. Now, 
the Biden administration is in an interesting spot here, and, and it's a spot made for their of their own volition. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. The Biden administration has said, we want border security. We want, we want a border deal done. Only if it includes aid for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. See that? Why not just, why do you need that? My question to the Biden administration and my question to my liberal friends, why do you need a, a bill passed through Congress? You could, I mean, I don't like the idea of unfettered executive power. I think we need to rein it in. We're not going to, but I think we should. Um, you could, you are willing to sign an executive order mandating that businesses have their employees vaccinated through OSHA. You mandated through executive order that billions of dollars of student loans would just poof, vanish. Just unconstitutional, by the way. And you've done it again by executive order. So what's stopping the president right now from issuing an executive order that would stem the tide or curb the illegal immigration problem on the border? If you say it's a problem, you, you are vested as the president with the power to fix the problem. See, the issue is, though, you've tied the border issue to Ukraine, which then allows you to say, well, I had a solution, but those crazy rascal Republicans wouldn't go along with it because they hate Ukraine and they hate freedom. And meanwhile, the Republicans are saying, well, why are we putting Ukraine and Israel aid in with the border package? We could pass all three separately. Maybe not the Ukraine aid. So the Biden administration has worked themselves into an issue. Now the issue becomes constitutionality. Now the issue becomes, does Texas have the right to defend their own state border. And I've heard the term bantied about over the last 24 to 48 hours, a, a civil war and what's going on. Um, there was even somebody on Twitter yesterday who revealed the map that I'm about to put up on the screen for you. Here's, here's the map of states that have aligned themselves and, and, and put themselves in support. They have signed a letter pledging support to Texas and its constitutional right to defend the southern border. Those states include... Now, I was told on Twitter that this is the Confederacy. Ready? Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, Arkansas, Tennessee, Virginia, Oklahoma, Missouri, West Virginia. That's just half of them. That sounds a little Confederacy. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. If it were only those states, I think you could make that semantical argument. Let's continue. Ohio, Indiana, Iowa, Nebraska, South and North Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Utah, Nevada. Is that New Hampshire and Alaska? 25 states, 25, have signed on to this letter. 25 states. The letter saying President Biden has abdicated his role. They are not serious about defending the border. Texas, therefore, has the right to defend their border. And constitutionally, I believe they're right. Constitutionally, it appears to me, in my reading of the Constitution, and again, I'm not a constitutional scholar, I just like to read it, it would seem to me that 
while the power of the national nation's border does fall on the federal government, if the federal government isn't going to stop an invasion, then certainly states have the right to govern themselves and to protect themselves. John C. Calhoun, for all of the things I disagree with him on in slavery, the initial argument he had as vice president and as a senator made sense that states do have the right to protect themselves. James Madison would argue that states are vested with power to protect themselves against tyrannical presidents should they come around. In the same way that if President Trump were to or could sign a law saying that all puppies must be killed, all puppies born, look at the book of Exodus, right? Pharaoh says that all of the Hebrew boys were to be killed by the midwives, The midwives did not do that, and we see the proliferation and the expansion of the people and what will become the nation of Israel while in slavery in Egypt. In the same way, if President Trump were to sign a law, an executive order, saying all the puppies must be killed in the United States, um, if, if some view that as an existential threat to the country... States could then act and say, that's not constitutional. You can't do that. I'm, I'm using the puppy example for, for not wanting to paint too colorful of a picture. The Biden administration is now being sucked into this and of their own doing because they have no idea how to operate a country. Here's John Kirby, the basically the press secretary for the Biden administration, national security. Here's John Kirby asked about federalizing the National Guard. Federalizing the Texas National Guard. I talked about this the other day. I don't have any decisions uh, uh, with respect to that to speak to uh, for the for the president. Um, uh, no, I I don't have anything on that. So that's one example. Now the issue here, Olivia Dalton would go on in the in the interview in the press gaggle to say that the Biden administration. We've been open handed. We've been open handed on the border. Have you? Have you? Federalizing the National Guard. We don't see it very often. Um, again, federalizing the National Guard is a is a niche subject. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna expand the balloon here as we uh, seek to understand this. If we go back to the Civil War, if we go back to 1860 and 1861, Abraham Lincoln's main focus was to keep the Union together. That was his main focus at the start of the Civil War. Now, of course, he, he rightly signs the Emancipation Proclamation, freeing the slaves in what was then the United States, and then that would, again, free the slaves in the southern states once they're readmitted to the Union. The point of that is, while the Confederate states were rebelling against the Union, the Union said, and the, and the President said, what you're doing is wrong you're violating the Constitution. We must hold the Union together. Basically a federalization. Now let's go to the Civil Rights Movement. Let's go to the 60s. Let's go to the 1960s. Often, during integration, we would see a mobilization of the National Guard. We saw this under Kennedy. Um, during his presidency, when when governors and uh, would either themselves or they would deploy troops to block entrances to schools, violating the natural rights of students to attend a university. Uh, We look at the example in Mississippi, the young man there, and I'm forgetting his name, but he was admitted to the university as a part of integration. 
and they would they were barring him from the school. It was his right as an American citizen to go to school and to go to the college or to go to the university. So because it was a violation of rights, the National Guard was federalized. Here it's different. If Joe Biden federalizes the National Guard over this, I'm not saying civil war. I don't believe this generation is prepared for such a thing. Um, like, I just don't. I don't think that either side politically is civil war material. If I can be quite frank with you, um, we're too busy on both sides sipping our soy lattes and. Um, making sure we have internet access at the local Starbucks or complaining when the shelves at Publix or Lowe's Foods don't have the exact brand of gluten-free cracker. Do you see what I'm saying? We're not prepared for that. If the federalizing federalization of the National Guard does take place, the Department of Homeland Security has given um, Texas 24 hours to comply and stop putting up razor wire, um, if the, if the guard is federalized, we have a serious problem. That's a president federalizing the guard in a state because the state is trying to temper the problem at the border. So the president would be federalizing the national guard to keep the border open. All of this needs to be put through the lens that this is 2024 and it's an election year. If the Biden administration, if President Biden, who cannot speak coherently at an event in Minnesota, if the president federalizes the National Guard against Texas and against the governor of Texas, he will lose in 2024. Book it. He'll lose. And I'm not saying he should or shouldn't. He'll lose. It's a constitutional battle that I believe the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, along with his attorney general, Ken Paxton, they're on the right side of. I believe constitutionally they're working within their own rights and within their own framework. And I also, on the same coin, believe that the president and this administration have abdicated their role at the, at the border. They have allowed this to take place. Because ultimately, they believe that importing enough immigrants, whether legal or illegal, eventually the Savior and Messiah is going to come along and grant mass amnesty. And now all of these people will officially be citizens and they will vote for our party. Let's go over to Chicago now. Chicago's mayor, Mayor Brandon Johnson. Is his name Brandon or Brian? Either way. Mayor Johnson. Now, we understand the issues in Chicago, right? We're all aware of what's going on in the, in the city of Chicago. We understand the violence. We understand the, the absolute chaos in Chicago. Uh, in normal weekends, there is um, shootings frequently. Frequent shootings. There's also a war in Gaza. And so the Chicago City Council had a resolution that, that would call for a ceasefire. 
I'm not inside the war cabinet in Israel, but I've got a feeling that Benjamin Netanyahu, along with others in the war cabinet that serve in equal capacity in the wartime government, by the way, I don't believe they're paying attention to Chicago or San Francisco, for that matter, or to this show, and they shouldn't. Here's Mayor Johnson of Chicago being asked about the ceasefire resolution. Do you support the, the ceasefire resolution that's going to be? Well, as on? I said before, you know, from the very beginning, you know, the violence uh, that broke out um, s- several months ago, you know, I condemned the actions of, of Hamas. Um, but at this point now, uh, I believe we're looking at 25,000 Palestinians that have been killed um, during this, this war. And um, the killing has to stop. So, yes, we need to cease fire. No one? Is no one going to ask the question? Okay, I will. Mr. Mayor, would you like to call for a ceasefire in your own city? How about you call in your own city for those to lay down their arms and stop the shooting? No? You won't do that? What if you increase security? You don't have to call for a ceasefire. You can just increase security and, and, and back your police to do the jobs they need to do instead of the things you're pushing. No? You don't want to do that? But we'll call for a ceasefire in Gaza. Again, I believe we've discussed this at length. I was on this show, actually solo that day as well, breaking down the events of October 7th. Terrorists invaded a sovereign border of a country because you want a two-state solution. They invaded the border and they killed men and women and children and dogs for that matter. They wore body cameras. They celebrated it. They did unspeakable things to women and to children, both alive and not. Instigating a response from the Israeli government. They had no idea they would do as well as they did, according to their mission. Israel responds... Because until the threat of Hamas is removed, Israel is not safe. We see it proved out. October 7th tells us this. By the way, Israel has been removed from Gaza since 2006. Open air prison. So now, Hamas terrorists who have built, who have used international aid not to feed their people, Not to improve the economy, but to build tunnels. The terrorists in Hamas are now hiding in tunnels with hostages, if they're still alive, including a one-year-old baby. They're hiding in tunnels in densely populated areas. And so Israel, after, after encouraging civilians to leave, are trying not to lose more of their military... By doing missile strikes. By the way, Gaza, the Hamas terrorists are still shooting missiles into Israel. Into densely populated civilian areas. But Israel's got the Iron Dome. So you explain to me why there needs to be a ceasefire. Because there wouldn't be any civilians killed if Hamas stopped shooting. That's all you need. If Hamas stops shooting and surrenders... 
the war stops. It's just that simple. But meanwhile, Mayor Johnson of Chicago, in a city riddled with bullets and dead, innocent civilians, is calling for a ceasefire halfway around the world in a, in a conflict that I don't know if he truly understands. Uh, let me take that back. He probably does fully understand, but it doesn't align with his worldview, so he wants his worldview to pre- prevail. Fair? Fair. Speaking of prevailing worldviews and wanting them to prevail, Gavin Newsom was in South Carolina this week. I had no idea. I had no idea GovGav was in the Palmetto State. This from Politico. Gavin Newsom flew clear across the country to extol the character and candor and competence of President Joe Biden, must be a darn good liar, to warmly embrace his old friend Kamala Harris. But under a steamy retirement community gazebo in Bluffton, as rain beat down in the heart of the low country, Newsom was being objectified, albeit with Southern charm. Doesn't he look much better in person, asked State Senator Margie Bright Matthews, a Democrat from Walterboro. Onlookers roared at the backhanded compliment as she continued to swoon, quote, Oh my God, as we say in the South, that's a nice glass of tea, end quote. Um, Newsom wanted to give stump speeches ahead of the state's new first in the South Democratic primary, uh, first in the nation's, pardon me, appearing there for the first time as a headliner and getting early exposure for 2028. Jimmy Sutton, a high school baseball coach, surveyed his players about what to ask Newsom while he toured the coastal plains. I don't know what that is. Over supper Wednesday at Cliff's Seafood in Bamberg, Uh, Stutton said they weren't interested in baseball or Biden, for that matter. The teens were curious if the governor who counts Hollywood icons as constituents of Snoop Dogg, um, if he had talked with them. Um, Then, apparently, Snoop Dogg texted the governor, so that makes him a really good um, leader. At town halls inside a historically black college in Sumter and another in, in Orangeburg, posing for selfies with a gospel choir inside a fish joint, Newsom worked the political equivalent of the National Football League Combine. Uh, it's not that people don't know him. Uh, he's been on Hannity and debated Ron DeSantis. and uh, They wanted to know whether this smooth-talking politician from San Francisco could get along with Southern folks. Maybe he can't take them to church, at least not yet, but could Newsom, a rare wine collector deep in sweet tea territory, sing from the same hymnal? The question came up everywhere. A few days before setting off on the tour, Newsom appeared on HBO's Bill Maher. The contrarian host relayed the same concern from his friend, and he argued Newsom was too progressive to win where it mattered most, which was in the South and in battleground states. Newsom called California, though, an interesting case study. Its population is the size of 21 other states combined, and two-thirds of its land mass is actually deeply red. He offered a similar assessment to an older couple that stopped in to see him in Bamberg, the hometown of Nikki Haley. The couple asked about Bakersfield, the hometown of Kevin McCarthy. Um, the couple nodded as Newsom tore into McCarthy for criticizing Biden and Harris over crime when Kern County has stubbornly high crime rates. Um, again, he's introducing himself to folks. He, he was an average student, had a 960 SAT score. If he took it now, it'd probably be the same. Uh, he talked about playing baseball, etc., etc. This is Gavin Newsom coming to South Carolina and preparing himself for a run 
for president. Newsom raised the elephant in the room before anyone could say more. Uh, it was always with that backdrop when I ran for office. Others said he was, uh, was different, uh, kind of different kinds of version of Bernie Sanders. He talked about how he was marrying people on the, on the courthouse steps, gay marriage, blah, blah, blah. This is something we need to keep an eye on because as President Biden continues to lose mental faculties by the day, we need to understand that there might come a point where the Democratic Party is going to have to jump ship on that a little bit. And having Gavin Newsom as a surrogate in South Carolina exposing himself politically to the electorate here, which the electorate here elevated Joe Biden to the nomination. We don't forget that. At some point, should the Biden administration, excuse me, should the Democratic Party want to move away from President Biden, they'll do it. And I think they'll do it with Gavin Newsom. That's my thinking. That's all the time we have on the program today. We appreciate you joining us here on this Friday. If you want to learn more about Palmetto Family, you can do it. Palmettofamily.org is where you can go to get all the latest information. You can sign up for our email newsletter. You're going to get a couple of emails a week letting you know what's going on in the Palmetto State. Make sure you download the Palmetto Family Council app. That's the best way to stay up to date with push notifications and getting this show sent directly to your mobile device or your iPad or your Amazon TV, your Fire Stick, your Roku, your Apple TV, whatever you have. It'll get sent directly to you and you don't have to search for it. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, again, five-star rating and review. Leave us a a review and and share this with your friends and family. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. We'd always appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube, click that subscribe button as well. It's free. We don't charge for it. And if you're watching on Facebook, go ahead and click that share button and share this with your friends and family. Put it up there. That way they can also listen in on the conversation and this platform can continue to spread and we appreciate it. Go to palmettofamily.org slash invest if you want to invest in the work that we're doing. It's only by your investment that we're able to do this show and do the work that we do across the Palmetto State, including inside the State House, to get good family first conservative legislation passed, Christian conservative legislation passed into law, making South Carolina a great place to live, work, and raise a family. Again, today's program brought to you by IBelieveSC.net. Go to IBelieveSC.net to get your I Believe SC license plate today. On Monday, you will hear from Representative Fawn Petalino. She joined us after session was finished this week to discuss her role in the Help Not Harm debate and the passage of that bill inside the South Carolina House. You don't want to miss that conversation with Representative Petalino. That's coming on Monday. Until Monday, for Mitch Prosser and our entire staff at Palmetto Family, I'm Justin Hall. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the fastest-growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. We'll see you on Monday. It's the Palmetto Family Show.